Islamic finance has grown substantially in recent years with an estimated $1.8 trillion held in assets by Islamic finance institutions worldwide. And an expected growth over the next five years predicted to reach $3 trillion. It's fair to say that Islamic finance account experience is no longer a nice to have, but rather a must have. However, this isn't just a case of adapting what you know with Islamic finance having its own standards and financial reporting practices in accordance with Sharia. Today on ACCA Me Talks, we're talking all things Islamic finance. Joining me, Fazila Gopalani, head of ACCA for the Middle East today, are a powerhouse team of females paving the way in Islamic finance standards and reporting. Who better to talk you through these standards and common issues than Farida Qasim, Manager of Professional Standards Development, and Zara Jassim, Senior Manager of Professional Standards Development at Accounting and Auditing Organization for Islamic Financial Institution, also better known as IOFI, which is based in Bahrain and whose mission is to standardize and harmonize international Islamic finance practices and financial reporting in accordance to Sharia. I would also like to welcome Shireen Osman, Senior Manager at PwC here in Dubai who specializes in Islamic finance. Welcome ladies. Farida, for those who've not yet heard of IOFI, can I ask you to give a brief description of what IOFI does, its visions, goals and objectives. Hi Fazila, um, I would like to first say hello to the listeners and a shout out to all my fellow ACCA members, affiliates and students. Thank you Fazila and ACCA for having me on this podcast. IOFI was founded in 1991 and it's based in the Kingdom of Bahrain. IOFI is a global not-for-profit organization which is primarily responsible for developing and issuing standards and technical pronouncements for the global Islamic finance industry. Our vision is to safeguard the integrity of the Islamic finance industry. This is primarily done through standardization of best practices in Sharia, accounting, auditing, governance and ethics. Shireen, given your extensive experience in this area, tell us about your role and PwC's capabilities in the Islamic finance space. Thanks, Fazila, and thank you to both ACCA and IOFI for allowing me to participate in this podcast today. Hello to all the listeners. I am a senior manager in the Financial Services Assurance Division at PwC Dubai. And I look after a number of external audits of clients in both the banking and capital market industry, covering both conventional and Islamic. In terms of PwC's capabilities in this space, we have a dedicated global Islamic finance team, which is run out of Dubai and which operates in key jurisdictions where Islamic finance has been quite prevalent or upcoming. Now, these services span from assurance services, which cover external and internal audit, to consulting, which includes everything from feasibility studies, bank and financial institution establishment, deal support, due diligence, IT, operating models, people and change. So it's really across the board, we are able to offer services covering any need in Islamic finance. 
let's talk about standards. What are they exactly? So IOFI develops standards in five very specific areas, and these are all interlinked with each other. Uh, the five areas of standardization are in Sharia, accounting, auditing, governance, and ethics. I'm involved in the accounting standard setting process led by the IOFI accounting board, and my colleague Zahra will give you an update on the governance, ethics, and auditing standards, which are led by the IOFI governance and ethics board. So let me give you an in overview of the uh, standard setting process. Uh, Zahra will give you more detail, like a more step-by-step -step explanation. So if I start with the IOFI Sharia standards, now the Sharia standards bring uniformity with respect to what we call Sharia principles and rules. That is what is permissible and what is not in Islamic finance. This is step one. Then this sets the foundation for the other standards. Basically, it helps translate uh, the theory into practice. So the IOFI governance standards provide insight to the implementation of the IOFI Sharia standards. Uh, the IOFI financial accounting standards bring uniform, uniform, uniformity in reporting and implementation, and the auditing standards will assist the quality of that reporting. Finally, the standards on ethics, this provides guidance to help the Islamic finance professionals and the institutions to uphold the highest standards of excellence. Now, I have only given you a summary the process is actually the process actually has many layers that Zahara will give details on it. But to sum it all up, the IOFI standards collectively offer the regulators, the Islamic financial institutions, the auditors, the guidance that they need to ensure Sharia compliance while following the highest benchmark in best practices. Zahra, let me come to you. How does IOFI actually set the standards? I mean, what's the process? And my second question is, Following this standard setting process, can you summarize perhaps the impact IOFI has made to the Islamic finance industry? Hello, Fazila. Thank you for inviting me for this podcast and hello to all the listeners. Um, so let me start by providing you with an overview of our standard setting process. The first step is that we identify the project based on the market need and consultations with the stakeholders. Then we form a working group of industry experts. This group includes an average of 15 members representing regulators, practitioners, accountants, lawyers, scholars, and subject matter experts. Then, after the formation of the working group, the Secretariat team start the consultation notes, which lists the basic questions related to the standards. So matters like the scope, the approach and the need are included in the notes. Um, so after we finalize and draft the consultation note, it is submitted to the working group for their review and comments. Following their approval, we present it to the board and then start the process of writing the exposure draft, which is presented again to the working group and board for their input. After we issue the exposure draft, we start the public consultation process by holding public hearings in different parts of the world. And then we compile all the comments, address them and present them to both the working group and board. This is just a brief of a very long process that takes an average of a year or a year and a half. So now coming to the second part of your question, which is related to the impact of IOFI on the industry. 
In order for us to understand the impact that IOV made on the industry, it is important that I refer to the footprint analysis, which was launched uh, by IOV in October last year. So this footprint uh, analysis report marked a milestone as it allowed us to communicate to the global industry the important role which IFE has been playing and the impact it has registered since its establishment around three decades ago. To develop the comprehensive footprint report, IOFE Secretariat reached out to more than 80 regulators from 50 countries and jurisdictions over a period of more than one year. The findings are remarkable. IOFE standards are adopted by 40 regulatory jurisdictions, either fully or partially, or as a guideline or supplementary reporting. So to conclude, as the oldest standard setting organization in the Islamic finance industry, IOFE has made great strides when it comes to harmonization in the industry by de developing 117 standards and technical pronouncements in five specialized areas. Wow, that's fantastic. And as you can hear, I mean, that's quite a rigorous and robust process. Farida, if we break it down, how are accounting standards in the Islamic industry different from conventional accounting standards? Um, let me begin with a few fundamentals. One of the primary objectives of accounting of either type, conventional or Islamic, remains the same, which is to meet the information needs of the stakeholders. Now, what are these information needs? Who are the stakeholders? That's the question, correct? So if we look at the primary and secondary characteristics of accounting, relevance, reliability, comparability, understandability, it's more or less the same. Another objective of accounting is keeping systematic records of financial transactions. This is to help the users understand the day-to-day -day transactions of an organization, uh, to gain knowledge about the overall business. There's also the need for adequate disclosures and presentation. Again, these two are the same for both conventional and Islamic. So the question that comes to mind is, do we really need Sharia based or Islamic accounting? Because accounting is neutral. Uh, the differences arise when we evaluate the objectives and characteristics in detail. Because Islamic accounting abides by the principles of Sharia. If we look at the stakeholders, the needs of the uh, the needs of the stakeholders of Islamic financial institutions are different. And this is why we need a separate framework for Islamic accounting and disclosures. Let me let me very quickly break it down into three basic points just to form an idea. OK, so number one, Islamic finance principles are derived from the holy text. Let's call it authoritative Islamic text. These are the this is the Quran and the prophetic teachings. And if you look closely at the principles of Islamic finance, they are fundamentally aligned to most systems of ethics. Derived from this, we come to number two. Islamic finance does not engage in business sectors or in activity activities which are viewed as harmful to society. So the idea of Islamic finance is eliminating unlawful or impermissible elements from the from the financial transactions and structures and replacing them with the permissible contracts and structures free from any of these prohibitions. Finally, number three, the prohibitions without getting too technical. 
the prohibitions that is what is permissible and what is not permissible. These are the fundamentals in Islamic finance and what distinguishes it from conventional finance. So it's important to understand that in Islamic finance, the risk is shared between the banks and the investors and money is not considered a commodity. It's actually used as a means of exchange. I want to highlight that this is one of the reasons uh, for the stability and resilience of the Islamic finance industry, especially during the financial crisis and now during the pandemic, because the core principles of Islamic finance are fixed and they don't change over time because they are rooted in religion, in Sharia, in the authoritative Islamic texts. So going back to my previous question, do we really need Sharia based or Islamic accounting? Who are the stakeholders and what do they need? This is where IOFI was created 27 years ago in an attempt to answer these questions. It started with the accounting standards and then it and the Sharia standards and so on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the objective is to provide a set of accounting standards capable of uniform application universally by all. So the users of financial statements are not overwhelmed. Comparability comparability becomes easy. Because there are because there are different accounting standards used by uh, different institutions, different regulators, different geographies. But I want to stress that IOFI has a very clear policy and approach for standard setting. IOFI will develop standards only when Sharia compliance dictates it, uh, and there is a need for a separate standard. We don't reproduce already accept already existing generally acceptable accounting principles. And there are products and instruments that are unique to Islamic finance, like zakah. Waqf, Wad, and Takaful. So guidance from a standard setting body is required. So the hot topic of the moment is fintech and digital transformation. Ladies, how does IOFI foresee the rise of fintech and its impact on the Islamic finance industry? And does IOFI have regulations in place in this regard? At IOFI, we believe that fintech may be the future of Islamic financial transactions because the Islamic financial institutions, young Muslim consumers are demanding digital change. It's important to mention that the data shows that 3 billion is the forecasted number of global users that will have access to digital banking by the end of this year. So fintech is a win-win situation for the user and the institution. Users get the convenience of conducting their financial transactions from anywhere and the institution benefit from increased efficiency and decreased cost. You need to be aware that while the benefits of cost saving and efficiency appeal to everyone, these technologies require effective mechanism to, go to govern their applications. So at IOFI, we are mindful of the fact that Islamic finance industry is keen to keep pace with the recent development. And we are aware that additional layers of challenges and obstacles exist in terms of both Sharia and governance. So the question is, how can the institutions take the industry to the next level of development and growth without risking its stability in this dynamic age? 
So this is where IOFE role is crucial. From our end, we believe there is a dire need for proper governance structures in order to avoid disregarding customer protection and privacy. Cryptocurrencies, for example, are associated with crime and hacking activities, while blockchain technology needs to follow specific standards to increase, to increase public acceptance. So having said that, at IOFE we see that these issues need to be addressed in the standards. We believe that governance standards in this area may help to provide a degree of confidence that is much needed. In addition, solid governance practices and fintech will also help in um, boosting the confidence of investors and customers. What are IOFE plans in this regard? So our governance and ethics boards felt the need to develop a comprehensive fintech project that comprise of four different subgroups. And these are one crowdfunding, two fintech, three digital ban banking, and four cryptocurrency. So let me give you a brief on the progress with regard to this comprehensive project. Last year, the Islamic crowdfunding project was initiated and the consultation notes were approved by both the working group and the board. The next step is to present the uh, first version of the exposure draft to the working group and board. As for the remaining three working groups, which are fintech, digital banking, cryptocurrencies, we are in the process of forming working groups with more than 45 experts in this project. And we expect the initial work to be started this year. So, Zara, may I ask you a question? What level of engagement does IOFI have with various country regulators during the drafting stage of new amendments or standards? Thank you, Shireen. Uh, at IOFI, we are keen to engage the industry experts and stakeholders, especially regulators, at all stages of the standard development process. And when we form the working groups, we ensure receiving nominations from the regulators and having representatives from different jurisdictions in order to provide their input and expertise, which are necessary to develop high quality standards. And after the issuance of the exposure draft, we also seek support from the regulators to conduct the public hearings and invite their representatives to such events in order to share their perspective and comments. So Shri, let me ask you, uh, may I know what would you like us in IOFI to know about the implementations issues based on your own ground experience in adoption of IOFI accounting and auditing standards? Sure, Zara. I would say that this year was an anomaly of sorts, given the uncertainty that COVID brought and the challenges that are that arose as a result of that. One particular thing that did stand out for us this year was certain amendments that IOV had come out with that tended to move away from IFRS. And what that did was cause some uncertainty in the industry, as we have seen that regulators in the region are aligning and moving closer to IFRS. So one specific example was an amendment that came out 
and certain jurisdictions overturned that IOF amendment. What that meant for our audit opinions was we had to then modify and say in accordance with IOFI as amended by country regulator. So what we find is that convergence between IOFI and IASB, as well as between the ASIFIs and the ISAs, would go a long way to harmonizing the industry and making it a lot easier for us to apply the IOFI rules on the ground. It's always a positive step when you see the regulators actively seeking practical feedback. So, Shireen, based on your experience within Islamic finance reporting, what pieces of advice would you give our listeners when it comes to Islamic finance financial reporting? So, Fazila, I, I guess the answer is twofold here, yeah? and we, you have to consider financial reporting as a whole before we go into Islamic. With financial reporting, it's always important to understand who your audience is. So who are your stakeholders and who are your shareholders and what information would they be interested in and how can you add value to the decisions that they need to make with that information? Secondly, when we come to specifically to Islamic finance, Islamic finance institutions have an added responsibility in that those investors or people that are using the products are conscious of adhering to a set of Sharia rules and regulations, and therefore they place a high level of trust in that financial reporting. It's therefore up to the auditor, management, directors, and Sharia boards to ensure that that trust and integrity of that financial reporting is upheld. And therefore, I feel that with Islamic financial reporting, the bar is set higher. Great advice, Shireen. Thank you. So, Farida and Zahra, what can the industry expect from IOFI within the next three to five years? IOFI has done tremendous work in developing standards since 1991, but the last four to five years especially, we have developed standard at an unprecedented pace. So the credit goes to our accounting, uh, to our technical boards and our working group members who work with us voluntarily. The IOFI accounting board agenda includes completion of the IOFI uh, financial accounting standards review and revision project. This was initiated in 2018. And one of the most important outputs was the revision of our IOFI conceptual framework. This was a two year long exercise and it was finalized in December 2020. Now, based on this, uh, we are revising all our other standards. So the, there are new projects coming in. Um, there is a revision process. Uh, there's a revision project of the Takaful standards. Uh, there are four Takaful standards in IOFI. We are revising those. There are other standards as FAST 14 investment accounts. There's a standard on uh, Islamic windows that have been updated. So these are the things that we're expecting for, for the next three to five years. We are currently also undertaking a unique task, which is issuing illustrative financial statements for the institutions. So we have illustratives um, being issued for FAST1, which is a presentation and disclosure standard for WAQF, which is very unique to Islamic finance and Takaful. Uh, there's also a benchmark project that has started uh, to deal with the departure of LIBO. So when it comes to EGIP plan, which is the, the IOFI Governance and Ethics Board, we have several new projects in the pipeline. Our strategy in the development of standards take into consideration both the market need 
as well as the long term best interest of the industry. So our members invested considerable time and efforts in choosing themes for the new projects based on the current market trends and in light of the technological advancement in the industry. So beside the comprehensive project, which we talked about earlier related to FinTech, the board also approved the initiation of a standard on the governance mechanism of an alternative benchmark rate. As we know that there is a global pressure to find new benchmarks replacing LIBOR. Also, the development of a standard on Zaka institution governance was put as a priority because the board believes and feels that it is necessary to boost the confidence of the Zaka payers on Zaka institutions. In addition, the, the board approved various other new projects and initiated the development of governance standards with special consideration on Islamic windows, mutual funds and takafil. The members also discussed the initiation of projects on the governance of sustainable financing, as well as SME financing, commodity murabaha and investment account holders governance. Um, a revision project for all the issued auditing standards is also progressing very well. And finally, the ethics project is expected to be concluded this year. So to sum up, we will continue working proactively and engaging with, indust with the industry stakeholders at different levels to ensure that the new standards are developed in line with the actual market needs and in collaboration with all the relevant stakeholders. I'd just like to ask one more question to Shireen. Um, what are you seeing in the industry? So it's a very interesting question there, Fazida. Um, during times of turmoil, people tend to turn to Islamic finance. And I think it's because of the principles behind Islamic finance, which is basically that there's an asset behind everything. And so therefore it feels more secure so what we've seen over the past year is a lot more um, interest in Islamic finance from Western regions. So lots of fund management activity, people wanting to place their funds in Sharia or ethical type investing. And it's a, it's a cycle because you see it during um, financial service crisis, you see it now during a pandemic. People want to place their money where they can trust their money to be. So that's what we're seeing in the industry at the moment. Ladies, thank you so much for this informative discussion today. It's clear that as Islamic finance evolves from a previously discrete service offered and used by a select few to an almost iconic popular must-have financial solution, the need for highly skilled Islamic financial accounting professionals is clear. At ACCA, we understand this need and work hard to ensure that not only is it embedding within our qualification, giving the next generation a head start, but we continue to work closely with regulators such as IOFI and industry experts such as Shireen at PwC to ensure that you all have the information needed to upskill and keep up to date. 
I encourage you all to look at your own Islamic finance capabilities. Evaluate, do you have the skill set or indeed partnerships needed to enable an inclusive accounting practice? If the answer is no, then now is the time to prepare as we truly believe that Islamic finance will become a core principle in most businesses across the region going forward. My thanks goes to Farida Qasim and Zara Jassim from IOFI. Just a little bit of news for our listeners. IOFI did recently become an ACCA approved employer, which is fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you to Shireen Osman from PwC for raising the Islamic finance agenda. So to all our listeners, join me next time as we're joined by Frederick Bryan, an ACCA Advocate of the Year, as we talk COVID one year on and the impact of mental well-being.